On this DMV Sports Roundtable, the Redskins defense starts to look like the old New York Giants defense with safety Landon Collins fulfilling a lifelong dream of playing for the Skins. He'll be joined by another former Giant cornerback, Dominique Rogers-Cromartie, who has come out of a short retirement. Here's Collins at Redskins Park. Honestly, just the team, just the place I wanted to be from, from the jump. It's an honor. Um, the guys are here that I know very well. It's a blessing, and I'm so excited for this opportunity. Landon Collins. Follow us on Twitter at DMV Sports Round 1. I'm Dimitri Sotis, and I'm almost all alone. Our three podcast co-hosts all had other obligations, so I got on the phone with the Washington Post Les Carpenter. He's been writing about the skins for a long time. We start with Collins and Rogers Cromarty, who are about to put on the burgundy and gold. Well, I think everyone knew that the Redskins probably weren't going to make an enormous splash at free agency. First of all, they didn't have a ton of salary cap room, and while they could create that a little bit, uh, they still had to deal with some questions at quarterback. Uh, they still have some, you know, several holes on the field, and I didn't think that they were going to make a splash for more than maybe one big player. And that was Landon Collins. I think that was their first target all along. They didn't have any safeties coming into the offseason. They knew it was a position they had to upgrade. And I think they wanted a little more leadership, uh, veteran leadership, I should say, in the secondary. And so it made sense to sign him. And once he, you know, he obviously wanted to be here. If you saw any of his press conference, I mean, literally, you know, talked about breaking down in tears and at one point did cry a little bit. I mean, he was thrilled to be at the Red, with the Redskins. Uh, and, and then you add in the fact with Rogers Cromarty, again, it's another veteran guy in the secondary where you know, last year they were a little young and, and a little immature at times. And I think now you've brought some maturity some and, and more importantly, you've brought some depth. They can have some competition in the secondary. And I think that's something that we're going to start hearing about more and more with the team as things go on. I was going to ask you about Collins and as you say, a genuine, I don't want to call it childlike because that is almost diminutive. You, uh, having covered the skins, have seen a lot of players come up there and sort of matter-of-factly say, I'm so glad to be here, but really, it's those millions of dollars that's got them so glad to be here. Uh, <laughs> so so different with Collins, right? Yeah, it was funny. I'm kind of laughing as you say that, because it's true. I mean, people are happy to sign a, you know, when you get $84 million, you're going to be overjoyed. Uh, but I'm not sure that necessarily when everyone said, oh, I'm just so happy to be in the Washington Redskins, if they were just saying, look, I'm so happy to be with Team X, whatever it is. Uh, and I've seen it several different places. But, yeah, he was he was genuinely happy to be with the Redskins. And a lot of that has to do with his admiration with Sean Taylor growing up. He wore the number 21 because he loved Sean Taylor as a kid. He wore 21 all through college and, you know, into the pros. And uh, he, he wanted to go to the University of Miami because that was Sean Taylor's school. But NCAA sanctions kept him from doing that, and he wound up at Alabama. Uh, you know, same thing. He always wanted to play for the Washington Redskins because it was Sean Taylor's team. And so I think all of that kind of hit him. Suddenly he's standing there, you know, at the Redskins Park, and he's like, wow, I'm – I'm here. This really happened. I'm finally with Sean Taylor's team. And so, you know, they gave him a signed jersey from Sean Taylor. And so I think there was a lot of things that emotionally just sort of built up in him. And, yeah, it was still, it was genuinely excited to be here. And when do you see that? You know, very rarely. In our uh, social media world where you can express outrage at the touch of a button, have you been reading and seeing some people who are not so thrilled with the owner giving one of two signed jerseys? jerseys that Sean Taylor wore in a game to Collins. Well, I mean, it's a guy who absolutely admired him. Uh, I don't know. I don't have a problem with it. He seemed genuinely touched to have it. So, I, I, you know, it's not like he was going to take it and toss it in a corner and say, oh, well, who cares about Sean Taylor? I, I mean, I think this is something that 
I, part of the reason why I think he kind of broke down a lot was, my gosh, look at what look at what I've been given here. This is priceless. And so I, I didn't get the sense of any disrespect on on his part or any you know lack of excitement. I I think if you're going to give something like that that's priceless and special, and you want to give it to someone who cares that much, I, I, I guess it's fine. I you know it's not my shirt to give away. I didn't see a great problem with it. There's such a widespread emotion around Sean Taylor. I mean, it, 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 it's it's what it's, it's eleven years now, and I, I and again, it was a story that was very difficult for me to cover when it when it happened, and I was the guy who got assigned to the post to go down to Miami and you know talk to the family and you know really kind of you know dig through his past and you know came to understand him on a different level, uh, you know, just through all these other people, and I I think for so many fans. Sean Taylor is is kind of like the last great thing that happened with the Redskins, and it was such a terrible moment when when he died. That I, I think even to this day, it's still the one thing that people kind of carry with them. So I, it, it's a very emotional subject for folks. And I think when you say, "Well, you know, here's a Sean Taylor jersey, or here's here's something that he autographed," and you know, of course, you know, he's gone and he can't sign anything more. You know, it, it means something more to people than just any old jersey. So I, I just think the very subject to Sean Taylor is very difficult for folks. You're so right about that. The number 21, as in Landon Collins wearing it, he said if the family is okay with it, do you have any knowledge or any sense of whether that's going to happen? I don't. And again, you know, one of the things I learned in that story, you know, 10 years ago is there's a lot of family. Uh, you know, there's uh, a lot of times people would just talk about the father and he did live with the father for, for some time. It was a police chief in a, in a town right outside Miami. Uh, but there's also the mother side of the family, and and, and they you know have very deep kind of feelings and and emotions, and, and you know and those often didn't come out stories about him uh, either when he was alive or even right when he died. Uh, but you know there was there was a lot of you know, he, he, you know these were very important people to him that he spent maybe even more time with, and so you know there's probably a lot of people that that would need to be asked here. I, I don't know. I don't know how it will be done. Uh, he said he would also have to ask Dan Snyder. I don't know how Snyder feels about. About it. I don't know how the team feels about it. I, I mean, it may be one of those things you you talk about at a press conference, but you know, when you sit down and talk later, maybe they'll say, "Hey, look, you know, maybe you could wear a different number." I, I don't know. Maybe you could wear thirty six, which I, I believe was the number that Sean Taylor started with. I don't know. Moving to the quarterback position, we know Case Keenan is here or or will be here once all the uh, the papers are signed. Uh, is he the starting quarterback of the Skins, or do you expect more moves in terms of QB? Well, two things to that. Uh, one, uh, no, I don't think he comes in as the starter. I think Colt McCoy is the starter. Uh, McCoy knows the offense, you know, as well as anybody. I mean, he's been with Jay Gruden now for, what, five years. I mean, he's he's going to have everything down in his mind as long as he's healthy and, and as long as he performs well in training camp. I, I don't see how they don't, you know, enter the season with Colt McCoy as a starting quarterback. But what Keenum does is bring insurance because obviously we've seen when Colt's had a couple opportunities – He's gotten hurt and not been able to continue those chances. And so you, you need someone else. You don't want to go through what they went through last year when you're literally finding guys off the street. You need to you need to have something in place. In case Keenum, who started 54 games in the NFL, he's taken a team to the NFC Championship game. I mean, he has certainly a resume that says he can come in and, and play and play, you know, at a, at a decent level, uh, and you'll be able to run what you want to run offensively with him. Uh, so it gives them, if nothing else, it it certainly gives them a safety net. 
but I fully expect that they will either draft somebody or, you know, I don't think you completely close the door on, on Arizona trading, uh, trading Rosen and, and he maybe winds up here. I, you know, one of those things will happen. I, they, there will be another quarterback here and it'll either be a first or second year quarterback and it will probably be, you know, someone on the higher end of what you would expect a, you know, quarterback, whether it be one of the, you know, upper draft picks or, or whether it be someone like Josh Rosen or whatever, it'll be, it won't just be uh, another guy off the street. It won't be another veteran. It'll be somebody who they would maybe think could be in the future. Uh, and you get a year to kind of play behind the other two and see what happens. We also learned that Adrian Peterson is coming back. Any thoughts on whether, you know, some of the amazing runs that we saw last year uh, can be repeated again in 2019? Well, it'll be interesting with Peterson this year because now Darius Geis is healthy. And again, I think the thought was going into last year, well, Darius Geis will be the, the running back of the next few years for the Redskins. He'll be their main guy, you know, and they'll build the offense around him. And on third down, he's throw the ball to Chris Thompson and, you know, working some other guys, uh, like Smash P. Ryan, whatever. No, that's what the offense will be. And then injuries kind of took a lot out of that. And so they signed Peterson and obviously he had a great season for them. Now he comes back. Is he going to expect to get the ball as many times, you know, the 20, 25 times a game that he did last year? Or, you know, how's he going to work with guys? I mean, he himself, I think his personality will work well with those guys. For a superstar, he definitely does have have a very low ego in the locker room. But there is an intense pride with him, too. And he loves to have the ball in his hands. And you know, Jay Gruden used to joke about it last year on those series where maybe he didn't have Peterson on the field. Peterson would just be staring with this, this <laughs> vicious death glare he went to the back of Jay Gruden's head and Gruden said he could feel it and you could see it on the sideline whenever the camera would pan on him so you know how's that going to play out I mean you know if everyone's healthy uh is Peterson going to be okay with 10 carries a game something like that I don't I don't know it it would be a very good thing to have I kind of wonder if maybe it's something where a bunch of guys are touching the ball early in the game but you get into the third or fourth quarter and you suddenly the game's on the line I kind of expect that Peterson's going to get a whole lot of carries because that's usually when he was at his best uh, last year was in those games where the Redskins had maybe a little bit of a lead and they gave him the ball in the fourth quarter and he just ran it down team's throat. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. It's probably a good problem to have, to have multiple pieces at running back at a position that injuries took so much of last year. So uh, I think that's the way they're looking at it. It's certainly a low-cost move for them too. And and there's leadership he brings as well. He, He definitely helped the other running backs and, that's something I think they value. Les, we really don't have time to go through all the other high-profile moves affecting other teams, but I didn't want to say goodbye without addressing Odell Beckham Jr. going from the G-Men to <laughs> Cleveland. Uh, is this a superstar being picked up at a cut-rate price? And also, let's not forget the New York GM said they weren't trading Beckham. Yeah, well, there's a whole lot there. Yes, he said he wasn't trading Beckham. Uh, you know, at, at the time, it seemed a little strange that he, you know, that he would be so defiant saying that, and. I was at the combine and heard him say it, and thought, "Well, I, it's hard to say never in this league." And uh, you know, obviously, he wasn't truthful in that because they turned around and traded him right away. Uh, you know, what does what is Beckham now? I mean, he's still a very, very high-level wide receiver. I, I mean, are the Giants trading him uh, a year or two, you know, early and and getting some valuable pieces that maybe you can build around a little bit, including draft picks? 
I don't know. I, you know, Beckham might be one of these guys that you know could be a high-level receiver for the next five years. And in which case, the giant, you know, it's it's hard to say in those superstar trades that you truly ever get value back. And you know, they, in the end, the Giants may say, "Yeah, look, we got a couple draft picks. We, you know, we could do a lot with this." But this is not a draft. Uh, you know, they have a lower first-round pick, and this is not a draft where you find a lot of starting players, perhaps at the end of the first round. I think in other years that that might be the case. This is a draft that's kind of heavy up to like maybe 15 or 13 or so where the where the Giants will be picking with Cleveland's pick. It, 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 you know, you may not be getting a first round quality player. So right then and there the value is is marginalized a little bit. So you know, we'll have to see how it plays out. Uh as it looks right now, Cleveland got an awfully good player and it's going to be hard to imagine that the Giants you know, got the value for him. But we'll see. Maybe we'll look at this a couple years later and say, wow, what a genius move. And do you have a gut feeling about what the Skins will do with their first pick in the draft? I don't. I mean, uh, the first thought is, well, they will go for one of the quarterbacks that's sitting there, maybe like a Drew Locke from Missouri or, you know, uh, you know, see how, you know, will they trade up and go after Kyler Murray? Will they, will they be one of those moves? I, I, maybe. But without needing a quarterback in the first, you know, without saying, hey, we have to get a starting quarterback in this draft. He's got to play right now in 2019. Yeah, they, may, they may look for someone that they like in the middle of the draft, somebody in the, you know, in the second, third, fourth round, uh, you know, kind of where Seattle found Russell Wilson or where they found uh, many years ago uh, Kirk Cousins, you know, who's going to be the backup to, uh, to RG3. So you, you never know, uh, but I, I think that, you know, the first instinct is to say they'll go quarterback there. If they don't, then, you know, they, they certainly could use a left guard. They certainly could use a little more depth in the secondary. They, they could use, uh, you know, pass rusher. They've lost Preston Smith. I mean, would they, would they maybe find a pass rusher there? So there's And it's a wide receiver, too. I mean, wide receiver has not always been the best position for them when they've taken someone in the first round. But, you know, they, there's some intriguing possibilities there as well. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. Thanks again. Have a great weekend, Les. All right, thank you. The DMV Sports Roundtable is on Apple Podcasts, the Podcast One app, podcastone.com, and WTOP's mobile app. You just tap listen. For Redskins fans, large and small, all around the world, God help us.